street epistemology is a wonderful approach that anyone can learn. You can learn more about street epistemology at streetepistemology.com. You are now about to witness the strength of street knowledge. So let me let me start um, by having you guys state your name again. So I got Elder Pranger, Elder Pranger, yeah, and Elder Stay. Elder Stay. Okay. So um, so we met like maybe a month back or so at the mall, and um, I approached you guys about talking sometimes. So here we are. Yeah, here we are. And um, like I like I said um, earlier, like I like to talk with people about their beliefs, and um, typically the way I like to start the interviews is by the, the what question. So just like telling me like what you believe in. And then from there, we can go into like why and then how. Okay. So that's yeah. typically like how I informally format the, yeah. the interviews. So Sounds maybe good. do you want to start there with yeah. what, just a what question, what you guys yeah. believe in? Sounds good. Yeah. Um, the very basic and simple answer of what we believe in is that we believe that there is a prophet who is called in these days, a modern day prophet, to help lead and guide our church towards, well, the second coming. Okay. And they teach us of how families can be together forever and where we are going after this life and where we came from. Okay. We believe that that prophet is the same sort of um, called, as it were, of the ancient prophets, that God has always called prophets to share his word and that he has continued to today. And he has given them a priesthood power. So the, what the priesthood power is, is authority to act in God's name. Moses had it. It's how he ended up parting the Red Sea. It's through the authority of God he was able to part it. And that is what we like to call the priesthood power. And the, prophet, the prophets have that power and are able to use that power to seek revelation for the church and where and what we should do. Hmm. Okay. Uh, anything else you guys want to add to any, any of that? Would you say that that kind of sums up your beliefs? Yeah, okay, so you said that you believe that there's a prophet who's been called to lead and guide the church um, and to teach us how families can be forever, um, to how families can be together forever, <laughs> uh, where we're going after we die and where we came from, yeah. um, that this prophet is in line with former prophets, <laughs> And that um, he acts in God's name, meaning that he has the priesthood. Yeah. Yep, okay. Exactly. So, um, so tell me about why, why do you believe this? So everyone has to come like to their own knowledge, obviously. Like every single person has come to know their own thing, their own way. And the reason why we have came to believe it, let me actually grab it. I gave you a copy of mm -hmm. it, but it is the Book of Mormon. Okay. So I'll just kind of put that up on there. Yeah. But the Book of Mormon is what really sets us apart. It allows us, we can pray about this book, and if we are seeking with an honest heart and really wanting to know and acting on that answer, then God will reveal an answer onto us on why we are doing something. Mm -hmm. And that is why I'm here. Because mm -hmm. God told me, look, this is true. 
you need to go and do it. Mm -hmm. And so here I am. Hmm. So God told you this is true. Mm -hmm. Okay. Uh, I'll just say anything you want to add to that? For me, I didn't know always if this church was true. It was um, a few years ago I decided I had better figure that out for myself because it was the course I wanted to pursue for the rest of my life, or it wasn't. Mm -hmm. It was one or the end. This church is either true or it isn't. And so I sat down and I prayed to God, and I read the Book of Mormon, and by the power of the Holy Ghost, he manifested the truth of this church and of the Book of Mormon to me. Say it again, by, by the what? By the power of the Holy Ghost. Okay. He manifested the truth. And there's actually a scripture that goes along perfectly with that from the Book of Mormon. Okay. Um, and it kind of coincides with the scripture from the New Testament, James 1.5, If any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God. Okay. And so this scripture is in Moroni. It's chapter 10. It's verses 3 through 5. It's at the very end of the Book of Mormon. It says, Behold, I would exhort you that when ye shall read these things, if it be wisdom in God that ye should read them, that ye would remember how merciful the Lord hath been unto the children of men, from the creation of Adam even down until the time that ye shall receive these things, and ponder it in your hearts. And when ye shall receive these things, I would exhort you that ye would ask, your, ask God, the Eternal Father, in the name of Christ, if these things are not true. And if ye shall ask with a sincere heart, with real intent, having faith in Christ, he will manifest the truth of it unto you by the power of the Holy Ghost. And by the power of the Holy Ghost, ye may know the truth of all things. Okay. And so that was kind of why um, Elder Stay used the wording of manifest of the power of the Holy Ghost unto you. Mm -hmm. It's because we believe that when you pray, the Holy Ghost will come upon you and give you like a peaceful feeling mm -hmm. and allow you to know what is true and what is right. Okay. Um, so why do you, why do you believe that? Is it because you read it in the Book of Mormon? Because, so I've been to other churches and like I, I was trying to like figure out what church would fit me. Mm -hmm. And then as I was told is that you need to read the Book of Mormon and pray about it. And so I read the Book of Mormon, I prayed about it, and that's why I okay. why I'm here. So the, the basis of why you believe Mormonism to be true is because you read the Book of Mormon and you prayed about it and you, you feel like you received an answer from God. Yeah. Okay. Basically, everything that we have told you like, weighs on this book. <laughs> if anything is not true, or I'm trying to figure out how to phrase that. It's not coming out right, though. But all things that we tell you can be answered in this book. Yeah. All speculation on the church, whether Joseph Smith was actually a prophet, whether the priesthood has been restored, whether God continues to speak to his children, all of those questions weigh on the Book of Mormon. Because if it's not true, then none of it is. And so that is why we emphasize so strongly that people need to read the Book of Mormon and to pray about it. Okay. So the foundation for Mormonism being true is the Book of Mormon. And the way you know that the Book of Mormon is true is because you prayed about it and God revealed it to you that it's true. Mm -hmm. So I'm interested in hearing about this experience of you praying and feeling like you received an answer from God. Can you tell me about that experience? What, yeah. do you, what, what, what exactly are we talking about here? So the Holy Ghost manifests an answer in a way that is very personal to you. 
And so when I was kneeling down to pray, I actually came out on my mission not knowing 100% if the church was true. I was just told that I had to serve a mission. And so I was like, okay, I'll serve a mission. So I came out here and I started serving and I was reading the Book of Mormon. I was like, I've got to pray about this. So I knelt down and I prayed and it was a really, really funny answer. I was like, Heavenly Father, is this book true? And instantly it was like, right here like just a yes you wouldn't be out here and if, if you if you didn't think it was true and i was like okay i i know what is what is going on i know what i'm doing out here and i know why mm-hmm. and then i felt a very peaceful feeling and i knew that i needed to stay out okay so you prayed and you got when you say you got a yes what are we talking about here? Are we talking about like an audible yes? What's the nature of this yes that you, you received? I would definitely say it was like, you know that voice inside of your head that you've got? Mm-hmm. It was like the most, it was like that voice except a different sound. <laughs> or It wasn't your own thought. Yeah, it wasn't my own thought. Hmm. Um, Thank you. How do you. How do you know that it wasn't your own thought? It just didn't feel right. <laughs> Mm-hmm. It didn't feel like it was my own thought. How do we distinguish between something being your own thought and something being the Holy Ghost? Because of the peace that it can bring. Okay. Peace. Hmm. Is is it possible for somebody to experience a sense of peace and yet it not be because of the Holy Spirit, the Holy Ghost? All good things come from God. Mm-hmm. So, in all honesty, no. I'm just wondering if um, feeling a sense of peace always verifies that something is true. And so is, is it possible for somebody to um, be praying about something and in praying about it, they get a sense of peace? Is it possible for that to happen and yet the thing they pray about not be true? If that is up to their current knowledge. Because God will only give you something if it is up to your current knowledge. Mm-hmm. So let's say... Um, it's, not, it's like learning math. Uh, you can't go and do calculus without first learning simple addition, multiplication, all of those, and gradually working your way up. And so it might be true to your current knowledge. Okay. What if the, the knowledge that they received... Um, let me not put it that way. What if the thing they were praying about that they felt a sense of peace about, what if it contradicted um, something uh, in Mormonism? Would that still be something that is from is from God? Mm-hmm. So that's a very interesting question. I'm actually going to open up to a scripture in the Book of Mormon, if you don't mind. Okay. So, this is the very beginning of the Book of Mormon. This is Nephi. Um, He's the very first uh, real person you get to know in the Book of Mormon and understand who he is. And this is taking place in Jerusalem at this time. And he's going back to get um, the brass plates, which are filled with his genealogy. And the person who has them is very protective of them. Doesn't want to give them up, in fact. He's a ruler over the city, or one of the rulers. His name is Laban. Okay. And in this 
there's a few scriptures I'm going to read here. It says, And it came to pass that I was constrained by the Spirit that I should kill Laban. But I said in my heart, Never at any time have I shed the blood of man. And I shrunk and would that I might not slay him. And the Spirit said unto me again, Behold, the Lord hath delivered him into thy hands. Yea, and I also knew that he had sought to take away mine own life. Yea, and he would not hearken unto the commandments of the Lord, and he also had taken away our property. And then it says, right in another verse, Behold, the Lord slay, slayeth the wicked to bring forth his righteous purposes. It is better that one man should perish than that a nation should dwindle and perish in unbelief. So if we look at it, killing someone, like that's a commandment not to kill. Mm -hmm. But if the spirit is strongly prompting you to do something that you feel like is right, then you should do it. Now, should you seek for the counsel of others? Yes. Should you seek for, ask people like, do you think this could be right? This is what I've been feeling lately. And I'm not sure if 100% if I should be acting on this. And you can go to your executive leaders in the church, known as pat bishops, which is an equivalent to a pastor, and they can help you understand the feeling of what you are feeling. Okay. So the question I asked was, if you're if somebody is praying about something and they feel a sense of peace, but the thing they're praying about end up not being true, end up being contradictory to, to Mormon Mormon beliefs. Let's say let's say a Muslim was praying about Islam, as an example. Um, they kneel down, they pray and ask Allah to reveal whether or not uh, Muhammad is a true prophet um, to bring the once and for all truth of, of God to humanity. Um, and they feel a sense of peace. Uh, now, if, if this belief is true, it necessarily entails that Mormonism is false. Um, otherwise, Muhammad is not the once and for all prophet. But if they feel a sense of peace about it, does, does that mean that, what, that the, the thing they were praying about is true? you rephrase that? Like, yeah, sure. So imagine a scenario where you have a Muslim kneeling down to pray, wanting to know if Islam is true. Okay. Wanting to know if Muhammad is the once and for all prophet come to bring God's revelation to man. And he prays about it and he gets this sense of peace. Does that therefore mean that Islam is true to the exclusion of Mormonism? Okay, I see where you're going. So... Just like a quick question to answer your question, mm -hmm. does this person know about Mormonism at all? Um, why is that relevant? Because we believe that once someone knows, they cannot be led astray. Mm -hmm. And so, if you are, if you know that the church is true, then you will not get that sense of peace for another church. Now, all we believe that all churches have a portion of the truth mm -hmm. but we believe that we have the full truth okay um but if this person um feels a sense of peace about the idea that muhammad is a once for all prophet and that therefore any any other claim to prophethood is false how can his belief be true 
Peace isn't the only way the Holy Ghost manifests itself. Okay. Peace can come from a lot of things. You can find peace in just going to bed at the end of the day, and that's not necessarily truth from God. Mm -hmm. um, so when we say peace, peace is just a way that the Spirit manifests. Okay. So sure, you might feel peace about that, but as Elder Pringer is saying, he may not have perspective. That might it may be the only thing he does know, and so um, there are lots of other ways that the Holy Ghost manifests itself to, to various people. It can be joy, peace. Um, sometimes it can be audible words. There's lots of different things it can do. It's different for all people. And the way you come to know how it speaks to you is by experimenting with it. Mm -hmm. So you, so besides peace, what are, what are some other things that can distinguish uh, something being the Holy Ghost from being a voice in my head? So you mentioned... Um, joy, that's one, right? So let me ask the same question as far as joy. Is it possible for somebody to experience a sense of joy about a truth that contradicts Mormonism, and yet that thing not be true? To be able to, like, feel, like, joy for... So, like, they're going, like, against the church, in a sense. Yeah, the, th the okay. thing that they're praying about and that they're feeling joy about Okay. Um, somehow, some way, it's a, it's a truth that entails, um, you know, Mormonism not being true. Then no. No. Okay. If you met somebody who had ex an experience like that, um, let's let's say let, let me let me give you a scenario. Let's say somebody prayed um, to know whether or not Mormonism was true, and they got a sense of peace and joy that they interpreted as meaning that Mormonism is not true. In other words, they prayed and the answer they got was no, it's not true. How would you distinguish between their experience and the experience, uh, something like you guys had, where somebody prayed and they experienced peace and joy, but the answer they felt like they got was yes. How do I, as the objective observer, distinguish between this person who experienced peace and joy but got the answer of no, and this person who got peace and joy and got the answer of yes. How do I tell whose experience is leading to the truth? Well, I'm going to be completely honest with you. I have never heard of anyone feeling of peace and joy and saying that it was false. Okay. So let's, let's say you did. Let's say you met somebody who had this experience. Um, you met somebody and they, they genuinely tell you, Hey, listen, I've, I've heard all this before, and I, I prayed about it. I spent months praying, and I felt a sense of peace and joy, and the answer that was associated with that sense of peace and joy was, no, Mormonism is not true. How do you determine that their experience is in, invalid? How do, you, how, do you, how do I, as the objective observer, distinguish between this person's experience of peace and joy and, that person. and this person? Okay, I got you. So I think one big thing is looking at their life. Um, if we're looking at someone's life, and if they f are feeling that peace and joy, then they're really living it and wanting to know more at all times. Um, but if we're going over, let's take a look at the person who felt the answer no. And they say that they had that peace and joy, the love, and the answer was no. So, usually if something is a no, you act on it, right? You, you say, okay, I'm not going to do that. Like, let's say 
you're like, do I should I go on that roller coaster? Answer, no, you don't do it. Usually the people that get the no are the people that are living in a worldly state. They only want to be able to get their own gain. Okay. They want they want to have sex, they want to have drugs, they want to do anything that they can that is outside of God's will. Mm-hmm. Okay. And you can see that in their life. Because it brings a sadness over them. Well, not necessarily a sadness, but you can just see in their eyes, in their countenance, that their life just seems a little bit more depressing, if mm-hmm. you will. Okay. How do you determine that somebody's answer of no is due to this? And so you, you presented this as a, one possible reason why somebody is uh, received the answer of no. How would you determine that? Would you, would you, exa- let's say you examine their life. Is it possible that you would see no signs of living in a worldly state, no signs of a desire to, for, for things like sex, drugs and stuff like that? How do, how do you know? How do you determine that? Um, what, what would it look like? Let me ask, let me ask it this way. For that, what would it look like for a person who receives the answer of no if they were not living in a worldly state? Pride. Okay. So the same question. What would their, what, how would you recognize a person who experienced the, the answer of no for whom pride was not an issue? What would that look like? I would say that with all of these questions, Conversion and the message that we offer, um, the answers that come are personal. It's not a blanket um, like category you can put over everyone. This is exactly what happens. Um, because it is personal, these questions are difficult to answer because they manifest themselves differently in all people. And so, again, that's why we stress so much the importance of reading the Book of Mormon and praying for it and receiving for yourself an answer of its truth. Okay. So, but, but back, back to my question of like, how do you know for any given person who you talk to, who says they receive the answer of no, how do you determine whether or not things like sex, drugs, and pride were an issue? I think you need to know because like you said, it's personal. Mm -hmm. So let's say, let's say it was the case that they prayed, they got an answer of no. And it, it wasn't due to living in a worldly state. It wasn't due to sex, drugs, and pride. What would that mean for, for the validity of their answer? Would it be, would the thing they pray about, would, that, would their answer of no be accurate if it was not due to any of those things? A few things pop into mind. Um, one, I would wonder about their conversion, what they've actually, have they been reading the Book of Mormon? they've been wanting to really know Um, and two I honestly would say that there wouldn't be any validity and what about so no validity for them what about their experience causes you to conclude that it's invalid because again I've never seen someone who 
wants to know and truly come on to God, pray about it and not receive an actual answer of yes. Okay. What if you did meet somebody like that? What if you met somebody who said, look, I grew up as a Mormon. I have no incentive for Mormonism to not be true. My life is invested in Mormonism. Um, all my family is Mormon. Um, Mormonism goes back generations in my family. I have no reason for it not to be true. In fact, if I deny Mormonism, I have nothing but ridicule and suspicion and shame um, to win for it. Not, nothing to gain. I very much want Mormonism to be true. And I prayed for it, and I, and I received the answer of no. Would that be valid? Well, you tackle that one. I talk too much. <laughs> <laughs> Just as our, like I said before, the challenge is personal. We have to put forth that effort. If someone is genuinely trying to know if it's true, and they are putting forth the work to receive an answer, they will receive an answer that it is true. Okay. So this is interesting. I would like to talk about that claim, um, the claim that if someone wants to know, the answer they will receive is yes. How would you demonstrate the truthfulness of that claim? Do it. Simple as that. Take the challenge. Read the Book of Mormon. Pray about it to know if it's true. Do the things that you have to do to align your will with God's, and you will know that it's true. Okay, so you're saying essentially experience. Yes. So let's say we talk to somebody who has this experience and they receive the answer of no. If experience is the criteria, then wouldn't somebody's experience of receiving an answer of no validate? Wouldn't that be a valid experience? If that if that's the criteria, ex experience, they prayed, they received the answer of no, they took you up on your challenge. What, what makes their experience invalid and the person over here's experience valid who got the answer of yes? All of these things, because I know they're from God, we're out here 24-7 teaching people of how they can have these experiences. I know that that case doesn't happen. If someone is genuinely trying to come closer to God and they are genuinely trying to receive that answer, they will. Okay. So you're saying it doesn't happen. So let's, what would convince you that it does happen? What would convince you that somebody's experience of receiving the answer of no did, did genuinely happen? What would, what would convince you? If I could walk, this is me personally. Mm -hmm. If I could just sit down with them and talk with them, and I could feel the spirit in that room with what they were talking about, I would be able to understand. But I know for a fact that would not happen. So you're saying, in order for you to become convinced that, um, people do actually pray genuinely and receive a no answer. You would have to be sitting in the room with them, talking with them, feeling the spirit. Well, my question for them would be, what is their yes answer? Because if this is a no, then what is the truth? What have they found that is better than this? If they have something that is better than this, 
and I take the challenge and pray about it, everything, and I receive the same answer, that that is correct, then I would believe it. But it is not. There, there's nothing else. This is the true church of God, and it has been restored to the earth today. And I know that for a fact. Okay. So you're saying, what is the yes answer? What's the alternative? Yes. Is it necessary to have a yes answer if you know that this answer over here is incorrect? And so in your case, for instance, you're convinced that Mormonism is true. Is it necessary for you to um, have a complete refutation of every single religion in order for you to know they're false? Or is having this yes answer sufficient for you to root all those out? For me, it's having this yes answer and being able to talk with other people about other churches and their experiences and to be able to always get that confirmation over and over and over again that this is the yes. Because I've been out for almost nearly two years. I've talked to many different people about what their beliefs are and what what they do. And I can honestly say that every single time it always leads me back to the Book of Mormon in our church. And so the yes that that this is the yes answer that is sufficient to me. Let me try to come back to that question. Is do you think that it is necessary in order to come to the conclusion that something is false is it necessary is it absolutely necessary to have um, a yes answer to these other things well one cannot have bitter without sweet right you can't know like what a cake how sweet a cake really is or how sweet honey is unless if you know what like cereal tastes like I'm trying to think of something bitter, but I couldn't think of anything, so cereal was the best thing. <laughs> but you can't know the difference between the two unless if you actually have it. Mm -hmm. And so in order for you to get that yes answer, and I'm not sure if this is answering your question at all, but you have to know of what some of the alternatives are. Mm -hmm. What I'm asking is something like, let's say theoretically, somebody came to the conclusion that Mormonism was false, just theoretically. Is it necessary for them to know what is true in order for them to know what, that, that Mormonism isn't true? So people that fall away from the church usually just stop believing. They don't stop believing in God, but they stop going to all churches, and they start doing the things of the world. They start going out to parties, drinking, um, drugs, and they're just unhappy in their life. Mm -hmm. Okay. So to, to repeat the question, is it necessary for somebody to, um, to have a yes answer to these other things in order for them to be justified in concluding that Mormonism is, fa is false? In other words, let me put it this way. Does them not, to use your language of like having a yes answer to these other things, does not having a yes answer to those other things affect at all their conclusion that this thing here is false? Like, is it possible for somebody to not have a yes answer to that other stuff, but 
but still have a justification for why this here is false. Is that a possibility? So like they, they receive an answer that the church is false by feeling like the other churches are, they have that yes factor. No, they, they don't know anything about the other churches. Oh, okay. I'm, I'm asking this because Aldrastea, you said your, your, your question to them would be, um, well, what's your yes answer? What is, what is true? If, if Mormonism isn't true, then what is true? And so my, that's why my question is like, they say they don't know what is true. But they know what isn't true because they studied it or whatever. They have some justification for some reason um, why they believe Mormonism to be false. Does not having a yes answer affect that at all? Is it possible for uh, logically for somebody to know that this thing here is false even though they don't have a yes answer to this other stuff? For me, it does. I mean, I think you have to have like a, if this isn't right, then what's going to be right? Like, mm -hmm. my that's how my brain works is mm -hmm. if something's not right then what is right mm -hmm. even though i just went to the left right yeah. but that seems definitely seems like a valid like natural question you know if you if you were to discover that your religion is false you would naturally wonder man i wonder what is true so, but my question is does not knowing what is true um is it take possible? take away from what you know your conclusion that this is false. You got an answer? I would say you can deny whatever you want, like whenever you want, even if you have known the truth at one point. But to what end? Like, what would be the purpose of? going away to nothing, like, like leaving, say, for this instance, the, the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, to go to nothing, I, I don't know what they would be trying to find there, like, what do you think about the phrases? <laughs> no, it's okay. They would have a purpose for their no answer, for them coming to the conclusion that it was false. And so I think that would be their justification for leaving. Like, they don't necessarily have to have truth, like you're saying. A better alternative it would be because they have a definitive reason it's not true. Does that make sense? <laughs> mm -hmm. So you're saying, because earlier you did say that you would wonder what they're yesing to, what, what yeah. they say yes to. So are now you saying that maybe they don't have a yes answer, but they're okay in um, saying that this particular thing here is false? So I would, it was before the answer, it wasn't so definitive. Like, I would be curious personally what they would leave for. Okay. Um, and so I think... You would say the question one yeah. more time. <laughs> I would actually, I would actually love. This is this is an interesting question. Okay. It's kind of an aside from what we were originally talking okay. about. I'm mostly interested in delving into um, this prayer experience, this praying that the Book of Mormon is true, mm -hmm. and how we distinguish between somebody's um, 
I'm not sure what to call this kind of experience, prayer experience or what have you, how we distinguish between a valid of such an experience, a valid experience like that, and an invalid experience. So back to the example that I gave of somebody who, one person over here who prays that Mormonism is, prays to know whether or not Mormonism true is true, answers a, a, receives an, a yes answer, and another person over here receives a no answer. That's, so we're talking about that, and I'm, I'm interested in, in probing that some more. Um, do you guys want to give that another, another go ahead? Like, how do we distinguish between one person's experience and another of yes experience. and another person's experience of no. Might have some scriptures. Maybe. I have to take a look at them first, so. Okay. Um, well, for me, it's like I said before, it's personal. It's a personal thing that you do. Um, I don't think it's something to be analyzed and to say, oh, this one was correct or this one wasn't. It is a personal thing that you come to know. It's like if I were to ask you to describe to me how salt tastes, and I've never tasted salt. Okay. You could kind of get vague concepts, like how we say it's peace or joy or something like that. Mm -hmm. You cannot adequately describe the, the full experience of it. Mm -hmm. It's a personal thing. And the only way for me to know would be for you to give me some salt for me to take. So that's what we do. Share the Book of Mormon. Yeah. But you but you do believe that that person who received a no answer is mistaken, correct? Yes. So I'm wondering, why is it that this person's experience entails that what they believe in is true? And it's a yes. And this person's experience doesn't entail that what they believe is, is true. And they receive a no. Um, when the evidence is the same either way, they both have an experiential encounter Mm -hmm. Why is that? I would say it's the effort that they put forth into it. The things that we invite people to do, read the Book of Mormon and pray, uh, that's been repeated many times through this discussion. Um, and when you do those things with real intent, like if you're genuinely wanting to know, like I've said before, then God will manifest the truth of it unto you. I've seen it okay, happen yeah, in that's my right. life, and I've seen it happen in the lives of many of the people that we go out teaching. And the difference between the people who get a negative answer versus a positive answer is the effort that they put forth into it. Hmm. How would you put that claim to the test? How would you put... So the claim is, if somebody wants to know, they'll know. And the difference is the effort they put forth. Mm -hmm. What would convince you that that somebody uh, really wanted to know, and yet they still got a no answer? What would what would can it take to convince you? What would you take as evidence that somebody really wanted to know, but they still got a no answer? What would you accept as con convincing to you? So us as missionaries, we go around and we leave commitments with everyone. We commit people to read the Book of Mormon, we commit people to come to church, and we commit people to pray. It's those three things that we commit people to do. Now, if they did all of those things and still got the no answer that you are saying that is possible, I'm not saying it is possible. Yeah, yeah. I'm wondering how... 
how you would know whether or not it's possible. Oh, okay. I gotcha. I gotcha. But if they did all of those things, if they came to church, they prayed, and they read the scriptures, and they still got that no, mm -hmm. or they somehow got that no, for some reason, for me, I wouldn't believe them. I don't think anything could convince me that someone got a no because of the answers for which I have gotten and been able to be given through God. Mm -hmm. go and back. what is it and what is it about your experience of receiving a yes that is more valid than their experience of receiving a no? What is it about your experience that is somehow more um, able to establish the truthfulness of your claim? That doesn't work for their claim. To go back to the salt analogy thing, where if I said, here's some salt, like this is what it tastes like, I, I can't adequately describe it to you. But I can invite you to know what to do so you can actually taste of that salt yourself. It's not, um, it's not like, okay, can you rephrase your question? I lost my train of thought. Okay. Um, I'm just, I'm... I can't remember exactly what I just what I just asked, but the basic idea is, oh, that's right. Um, what is it about your experience of receiving? Because you said if okay. somebody, if you if you yeah. met somebody whose experience was no, they received the no answer. Yeah. You're saying you wouldn't believe it, and so I'm wondering what is it exactly about your experience that makes it more valid than theirs? Yeah. How, how, so, why is it that yours establishes the truthfulness of your belief and doesn't establish that doesn't establish theirs? Yeah, so where I was going with that is it would be like you replying to me, salt doesn't exist. When I ask you or try to describe to you what salt tastes like, you'd be like, oh, that doesn't exist. It's because you haven't gone out and tried it. You haven't gone out, found it, and partook of it. And that's like with the Book of Mormon again. It's reading and praying about it to know for yourself if it's true. And that answer does come. Hmm. It all comes back to the effort that you put into it. If you go and you read the Book of Mormon, because we give you a checklist of the things to do, read, pray, go to church, and then you pray, but you're not genuinely wanting to receive an answer, you're not going to get an answer because you've already had that made up in your mind. But if you're open to it and you do the things looking for the truth, the truth will be made manifest to you. So that's the claim that earlier I was trying to get into is the claim that um, somebody's effort is what it all hinges on. What would convince you that somebody put forth all the effort they could and yet they still got a no answer? I know that they won't. And how, and how do you know that? Because I've seen it in my life. I've seen it. Every person that I've taught that has genuinely done those things receives a yes answer. And it's a bold claim. And it's one that you can only know the truth of by trying it yourself. Okay. So you're saying the reason you know that is because of people that everyone you've met it has uh, has received a yes answer. That has put forth effort, right? Yes. So conversely, let's say you did meet some people who put forth all, all the effort they could. And they told you that they received a no answer. If on the one hand, meeting people who put forth effort and get a yes answer proves to you that that's the case. On the other hand, if you met people who put forth all the effort and received a no answer, would that likewise cause you to conclude that your belief is false? 
I haven't seen their effort put in. No, theoretically, theoretically, let's if if that can convince you of the truthfulness of Mormonism, with that same scenario of somebody praying but receiving a no answer, and you you met people just like you met people who had a yes answer. If you met people who had a no answer, what what would that convince you of the uh, the falsity of Mormonism? Yeah. So we got we gotta go. So I'll I'll leave you with this answer: is that in all honesty, it would make me question, and then I would go to Heavenly Father, I would pray to know again if what I am doing is right. And I know for a fact that I will get the answer of yes, that this is the true church, and that something happened in their life that they are trying to shun away from God. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I'm just wondering, Elder Stay, I know you guys got to go soon, but I guess this is uh, uh, my concluding thought on what you just said, because you, you cited as evidence for why you know that if somebody puts forth all the effort, they'll get a yes answer. I asked you, how, how do you know that? And you said the way you know that is because everyone I've met who has put forth all the effort received the yes answer. And so I'm asking if you received that same type of evidence, you met, you met people who prayed to know whether Mormonism is true, who put forth all the effort they could, but this time they told you they received a no. If that evidence works over here for the yes answer, why doesn't that same exact evidence work over here for the no answer? It would be logical, but the answer is because it is the truth. This religion, the Book of Mormon, everything, it is the truth. And if you pray to know about it, you will receive a manifestation that it is true. And I can attest to that as well, that you will receive an answer, that it is true. Hmm. Okay, guys. Thanks a lot. I appreciate it. Yeah. Street Epistemology is a technique by Dr. Peter Bogosian in his book, A Manual for Creating Atheists, and his Android and iOS app, Atheos.